Welcome to Archiving AK. My name is Gwen Higgins. We've been on hiatus from regular episodes for a couple years now, so if you are new, we are so glad you found us. The podcast is a production of the UAA APU Consortium Library Archives and Special Collections and features head of the archives Arlene Schmuland and me highlighting stories from our collections, as well as interviews with Alaskan archivists and others who have worked with archival collections. As you may or may not know, October is Archives Month, and to celebrate, we'll be releasing new episodes all month long. To kick things off, I interviewed Julie Varee, who is the Community Outreach Archivist at the Anchorage Museum. Hi, this is Gwen Higgins, and I'm here with Julie Varee from the Anchorage Museum. Julie, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your position at the at the museum and anything else that you'd like to share? Sure. Hi. Um, thanks, Gwen, for the conversation. As you said, my name is Julie Varee. I'm the community outreach archivist at the Anchorage Museum, and I've been in this role for um, a, about a year and a half. I started in June of 2020. I've been at the museum for a little over six years, uh, and I've lived in Anchorage since 1988. Thanks. Um, So your job is unique among the archivists I've met in the state in that it's focused on outreach. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about the position, um, like how it came about, what you've been doing in the position in terms of outreach? Yeah, the Anchorage Museum continues to work toward diversity, equity, and inclusion in how we are helping to tell Alaska's emerging story. And so the museum realized that there were gaps in how we were helping to tell that story through our archives. So we received a grant through the Murdoch Charitable Trust and it funded this position in the library and archives to engage more community members in building the archives and also making the space, which is the Atwood Resource Center on the museum's first floor, making that more welcoming to people so that it isn't just a space for formal research, but also for um, informal exploration. Um, So what I've been doing is working with people throughout the community to broaden the story that the archives is telling. And some of that is um, through relationships the museum already has with individuals and organizations through exhibitions and public programming, and also um, reaching out to new people and new organizations. And, um, you know, a lot of it is learning more about how the archives can serve um, our community. So, you know, the museum has a lot to offer. It's been, some of it's been tricky because of COVID, of course, but we have this beautiful space and we have resources. We can help host programs And then we can also help people um, if they want help with the materials that they're keeping in their communities. Uh, If they want any advice about how to organize or describe or 
um, preserve or make accessible what they have that's where they're telling their own stories. And then of course, if people wish to share their materials with us, then we work with them to bring those collections into the museum's archives. So my work is a lot about support and learning and partnerships. One, I wanted to talk about a couple of examples of that. One is um, with the History Makers, which UAA also is a part of this partnership. So Mm -hmm. yeah, and so the History Makers is the nation's largest collection of African-American video and oral histories. And they travel through this um, organization, they travel to all the states and did interviews with um, uh, Black community members. And there are 18 uh, community members from Alaska, mostly Anchorage, that are part of that collection. And so the Anchorage Museum um, is came on board as the first museum to also build archival collections connected with those video and oral histories. So we're working with community members to gather um, the personal collections, you know, photographs, personal papers, mm-hmm. other materials of these people and building a history maker's collection in the Anchorage Museum archives. Um, And then we're also uh, working with uh, private individuals and families um, who want to have their collections here in the archives. And one of my favorite um, stories about that is um, a man named Samuel Fleming, who lives in Atlanta now, but he's uh, spent part of the 1950s and 1960s in Fairbanks when he was in the military and starting his family and then in Anchorage right up until um, the 64 earthquake and his sons uh, had found all these uh, photographs and home movies that he had about his um, time here in Alaska and they were looking for a place um, to have those materials taken care of and shared um, with more people. And so we were able to bring that collection into the archives and work with him while he's still living because Samuel Fleming um, just turned 90. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) And so we worked with him and his sons to describe the photos and films that they shared with us and it was just a thrill um to have him be able to uh, tell that story of what it was like to be part of the black community and part of the military and to live in fairbanks and anchorage um, during that time so that's one example of a family collection uh, that helps tell the story of a community here yeah that's great with so many people kind of moving out of the state. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that like Alaska's population, you know, fluctuates and, and and is somewhat transient. I, so much of the state's history, I imagine is outside Mm. of the state and it's just uh, really cool that you guys were able to, to bring back 
some of those some of those materials. Yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit about your background. Um, how did you get interested in archives, and um, sort of what path did you follow to lead you into this into this mm-hmm. position? Well, I spent um, more than 35 years in the field of philanthropy and development. So I was um, raising funds to support the missions of nonprofits um, in Washington, D.C. first when I got out of school and then um, in Monterey, California, where I got to work at the amazingly beautiful Monterey Bay Aquarium. That was great. And then I ended up moving to Anchorage um, and continued to work with nonprofits here. And as time went on, um, you know, I was working with wealthier and wealthier people and it's a pretty homogenous group of people. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to work with a more diverse group of community members and not just those able to donate large gifts. Um, And I also wanted to focus more on social justice and inclusion. And I have to tell the truth that I started really coveting um, the people who worked here at the museum that got to actually um, work directly with uh, the objects and art and other things that had been entrusted to the museum. So, you know, I would work with people in exhibition on the exhibitions team or the collections team to get donors on tours and behind the scenes. And, you know, I would I would go on these tours with donors and I would watch people um, work so closely and know so much about the collections. And I was more and more jealous about that. And I thought, <laughs> okay, what, you know, what do I want to be doing? And I also um, always loved libraries and spent a lot of time in them. And in the back of my head um, had thought maybe one day I can go back to library school. But, you know, as you progress in your field, you start investing so much in your profession and time was just passing. And uh, so on my 60th birthday, I told my husband, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to get master's in library and information science, and I'm going to switch fields. And so he was a little surprised, uh, but um, supportive. And the museum where I was already working was really supportive um, of me spending time going back to school. It was um, 100% online, which, you know, ended up being true for everyone in that Mm -hmm. master's program. (laughs) And so I finished that program um, this last uh, June, 2021. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Uh, It was a great program, three-year program that's really focused in diversity, equity, and inclusion and social justice. Yeah. Yeah. uh, For information professionals. And, but the year before that, the year before I finished, I was lucky that this position um, came open in the library and archives here. And I was invited to apply and I did. Um, And so I was able to really apply what I was learning and do some projects my last year in the program as um, 
an archivist working here in the library and archives. So very fortunate, feel really lucky. That's amazing. Um, I I imagine your experience with kind of philanthropy and and donor work in terms of monetary donations probably helps with the, you know, outreach work that you're doing. Yeah, because it's really, you know, in both in both positions are support positions. Mm -hmm. So what do um, people want to make happen? What do they want to help make happen? So they may want to, you know, on the philanthropy side, they may want to use, you know, the gifts they have, the financial gifts they have to um, help something happen that's going to benefit the community um, through the museum. So they may want to fund a position or uh, fund some specific work here, um, or just provide general support for the museum. And then on the archives side and library side, um, you know, you know, they want to help tell that story and add to the stories that we're telling through the archival collections. And also, um, you know, uh, it's finding out what people want to discover. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember taking a class and we spent a lot of time talking about um, interviews um, when people come into a library or an archives and really helping them zero in on what it is they want to discover, what they want to be able to find and how much help they want with that. Um, Do they wanna just be led to how they can do research or do they want a lot more help? about how to, uh, about doing the research. And so there's so many parallels in those conversations with people just to help them get to the place they want to be. So yeah, I think my experience in philanthropy and development really has, those experiences have uh, helped inform my work and helped me feel comfortable with um, outreach work. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of discovering uh, your collections, um, can you tell us a little bit about the collections at the Anchorage Museum? Um, I know you mentioned um, a couple, the history makers and the family collection that you had mentioned, but mm-hmm. sort of in a broader scope, tell us a little bit about the, the, the collections of the, the Anchorage Museum. Sure. So we have collections on the art and object side, mm-hmm. which, you know, that sounds obvious. Those are, that's the, um, the art and objects the museum has been entrusted with. And on the archives side, we are predominantly a photo archives. Uh, we have more than 800,000 images. Some of those collections are small, you know, it could be Um, It could be a few photos and one document, Um, Mm -hmm. and some are very, very large. And um, one example of a large collection is the Boyer Photography Collection that was donated to us in 2017, and we're still processing or bringing in that collection, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And that's an estimated 400,000 images, so that pretty much doubled our collection then. We also on the archive side have some rare books. Um, We have ephemera like um, scrapbooks, um, awards that people have received, you know, that help tell 
their story. Um, we have personal papers and documents. And then we have materials that help um, uh, preserve and share the museum's story. So um, information about uh, the museum's growth and the expansions and about our exhibitions, you know, exhibit catalogs, exhibition catalogs. And we have some um, vertical files, we call them vertical files that just are by topic and they mm -hmm. might have newspaper clippings or journal articles. We do have collections of journals here and we also have um, artist files in the archives and those are you know, available to everyone. Um, and they have uh, all kinds of information about Alaska artists. Um, sometimes the artists add to those themselves as time goes on. Um, or we add to those collections um, at, throughout an artist's career. Um, so those are, uh, that's a good overview of the collections we have in the archives. Great, yeah. So you mentioned both um, the museum collections and the archival collections. So how does your work with the archival collections kind of support the museum? side of things um, in terms of contributing material for exhibits or, or other events that the museum puts on. Um, I know that uh, you did a lot of work uh, with the Black Lives in Alaska exhibit that's there at the museum right now. So what does that process kind of look like? Yeah, the Black Lives in Alaska exhibition is a good example because it is an exhibition of archival photos. Um, so the archivists here were able to work with curatorial staff to research what was in our collections and then also help lead to what was in other collections around the state, including um, your collection at mm -hmm. UAA that, that helped to document and celebrate the lives and experiences of Black community members um, in and outside of Anchorage. And, um, you know, one thing about our collections, um, they continue to grow. So we were able to help tell that story, help the curators tell that story that is not just about the past or the history of that community and its experience here in the state, but also um, now, what's happening now. So we uh, have some um, collections by some local photographers who, uh, for example, documented the Black Lives Matter protests that happened here in Ingridge. So that story could um, come right into the present um, and also help uh, explore the future like through um, local Black businesses. You know, we have um, some photographs of uh, local activists who are working now in the Black community and some new businesses like the candy store in mm -hmm. Mountain View. Um, yeah. And so, um, so that's how the archival collections um, support the curatorial work and the work of exhibition teams um, here. You know, we also um, have books and journals that help curators research different topics. Uh, we have maps that are sometimes used in um, exhibitions. 
we have maps in our collection for that along with photos. Uh, and then if staff, if our museum staff, you know, including education team staff, if there are uh, publications that they're interested in, we add that to the uh, collection in our library that's part of the archives too. Um, so um, a lot of the support that we provide for researchers includes researchers here in our, in our building and around the state. Mm-hmm. So um, the past year and a half, <laughs> has been difficult for all of us, Um, but I imagine it has been especially hard on museums that rely on people coming in to look at exhibits. I know you started in this job uh, during the pandemic, Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, but what types of things are you doing to adapt to the situation, and how has your work been different than it might have been if it weren't for COVID-19? You know, it's been really interesting because, um, you know, I think we had all envisioned that I would be out there in the community and going to different community gatherings and connecting with people and groups that way, which, of course, still really isn't possible and certainly was not possible when I started in um, June of 2020. And my start date actually was pushed back. Um, for months because we were not coming into the building. Um, Staff was working from home. And so um, it was challenging too for me to try to learn about the collections because, you know, I'm new to archival work. And so I was looking forward to learning more about the collections that we had and You know, as I said earlier, I was so excited about hands-on work uh, Mm -hmm. instead of being kind of once removed. So so there was a little delay in my being able to do that. But with the outreach work, you know, everyone was adjusting to remaining connected virtually. And so that's how the work has been happening. And it's still Uh, been possible to connect with people and connect with organizations um, because they had to adjust to how they were doing their work also. So, um, you know, in a way there's been some gifts in that because I've been able to connect with people outside of Anchorage um, or, you know, on weekends or in the evenings, Mm -hmm. you know, because all of that Uh, has been virtual. We also um, have been able to um, shift our programming. So programs didn't have to stop that were connected with exhibitions like Black Lives in Alaska and like Extra Tough, the Extra Tough exhibition. It's just that they were virtual instead of in person. And so um, a lot of what my work Uh, entails is providing a platform for people to um, explore issues related to the exhibitions um, and to um, present on topics that are of value to their communities. So that has all been possible virtually. We also have been able to make our outside space, the the lawn available to groups um, that have wanted to continue doing some things 
in person, you know, during that little window we had, when we thought we could start gathering in person. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, one of the photographers we work with had an event that he was planning to do inside his gallery and then the numbers started shooting up again and he asked if he could do that on the front lawn and we were like uh, absolutely you know this is what we want the space to be available to the partners that we're um, that we're building relationships with and staying close to um, Alaska Black Caucus was able to mm -hmm. do um, an event here too using the lawn, something that they wanted to do to um, celebrate the appointment of the new chief of police, um, mm -hmm. uh, Chief McCoy, that wouldn't have been possible if they had been limited to indoor venues. So you know, there've been some, uh, a lot of workarounds with that. And I think the, the museum's programming actually has been uh, really rich. Um, um, that's been in connection, that's been partnerships between the archives and the um, exhibition and curatorial teams because we've been able to do that virtually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know I've attended some of the museum's virtual programming during the pandemic and it has just been really great. Um, oh, that's good it's hear. been really enjoyable and it's been, it's been great to be able to gather with people, um, mm -hmm. even just on screen. Yeah. We, um, something I'm really excited about and, you know, an example of how we've been able to, um, make some of the programs more expansive is a program we're doing in October during American Archives Month with some uh, Black archivists from around the nation. Um, so we have the archivists from the National Museum of African American History and Culture, uh, an archiv archivist from the Jimmy uh, Carter Center. And, you know, so we have these five Black archivists that we never would have been able to afford to bring here. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, to do a program like that. And because everyone is so open to um, doing virtual programs, we're able to connect with some speakers and presenters that, you know, where it would have been cost prohibitive before. So while we're still providing honoraria to speakers, we you know, aren't paying for transportation and housing and per mm -hmm. diems. And so we're able to reach out to um, speakers from across the nation. And I know that's been true for other organizations as well. So there's a little bit of a silver lining mm -hmm. uh, to uh, the last year and a half. Yeah, yeah, that it has been. I know that we've been doing some things during the pandemic that um, we weren't doing before, but that I think that right. we'll continue doing as it goes forward and um, as horrific and painful as yeah. <laughs> the pandemic has been, um, you know, it has kind of forced us all to think a little bit outside of the box yeah. when it comes to aspects of how we do our jobs. Yeah, I think, um you know, we're still pretty disappointed we can't welcome more people into our space. Mm -hmm. We are, you know, we haven't um, resumed hours when we're open to the public. So mm -hmm. the archives here are open by appointment only. Um, 
we work with people, you know, through um, Zoom or FaceTime to figure out what they want to research or explore and, and we pull it ahead of time. And then they can be in the space for a two hour block um, to look at materials. And, you know, we try to have just one or two people in the space at a time, you know, with working with an archivist or just having an archivist present for um, consultation if they need us. Uh, but part of the, um, part of the Murdoch uh, charitable trust grant that mm -hmm. I mentioned before was to make changes in the physical space of the Atwood Resource Center so that it would be more inviting for community members uh, who may not have used the space before. So we did all this research um, to make changes in the space, which um, are going to start happening in October and November, you know, a bit of a redesign. And mm -hmm. while we were, we were able to bring people in one at a time to get their impressions of the space so that we had data to base the changes on. And, um, you know, so they would come in and we were masked and gloved and they could walk around, <laughs> walk around the space with me because um, half of them had never been in the space. And so we wanted to see what we could do to make it more welcoming for people, you know, maybe small groups that wanted to gather here or um, people that wanted to come see the new collections like the Samuel Fleming collection or the History Makers collection that are coming in. Um, collections that are coming in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we found a way to do that, but we might have done that differently. Like maybe we would have had focus groups, you know, in the space instead. So, um, you know, there's a way to do things, but um, some of that has been delayed. So we're hoping, you know, we're looking forward to um, that redesign um, that will make changes that when we can be open to the public you know, that will delight people and they'll feel more encouraged to spend time here uh, with archival materials. Yeah, I can't wait to see the changes you guys make to the space and, and how it all turns out. Yeah. So I think you addressed this a little bit, but what types of users do you see using your collections? Like for us over the last few months, we've had a lot of researchers from other academic institutions coming in to do research mm -hmm. they, they weren't able to do earlier um, mm -hmm. in the pandemic. Has it been the same for you guys? Yeah, what are you, what are you kind of seeing in terms of your research use? I think that's been pretty steady for us. Um, you know, we work with a lot of um, academics, you know, come here. So the more traditional researchers who you mm -hmm. think of as researchers, so writers, um, educators still work with us, um, filmmakers, we get a lot of requests for images. And, you know, sometimes people research what we have, and they know specifically what they want, you know, they want images from the collection. Mm -hmm. um, we um, at one time were able, of course, to um, work with um, school groups or students would come in and that we have not been able to do. So that's been a change because groups haven't been able to come in, but we're still working with researchers um, and educators. Uh, we also 
work with people who might want images from their home community. You know, we have images from um, rural communities and other places around the state. So um, they, they may be wanting that, you know, there are mm -hmm. people who left those communities, they may not have any images and also family members, you know, maybe they were researching what we have online and, and they see some images from their home communities and maybe there's a family member in there that they don't have a photo of at home. And so we're still working with people, um, like that. And then once it's safe, we really want to uh, get back to some of the other uh, initiatives that we had going, like with AFN, we were um, having a presence at AFN and mm -hmm. we were doing some crowdsourcing of <laughs> descriptions of photographs. So we have a lot of uh, photographs in the collection that don't have very complete descriptions. Mm -hmm. And so we were um, at AFN uh, for years and elders from around the state uh, would stop and look at photos and provide all kinds of information that just made what we had richer. And then if there were images they wanted, we could provide those uh, to them as well. Um, so we're still planning to do things like that, um, that are, you know, a lot of reciprocal work where we learn more about what we have and we're able to provide communities uh, with images and information they may be missing. Yeah, that's a, that's a great thing um, that you guys have been doing with the, with the AFN yeah. and the, the crowdsourcing. What do you wish people knew about archives in general or your archives in particular? Mm. Yeah, um, I, you know, archives are really um, storytellers. Um, and so, um, you know, ar archival collections are not just about the past, um, because they're helping to tell um, stories of people, places, events, um, all of these things, communities, all of these things that um, continue, you know, so Mm -hmm. As I said earlier, these are emerging stories. And so uh, archival collections continue to grow and change. Um, and archives are documenting the now. Uh, and I don't think a lot of people realize that. I do think um, they perceive, um, uh, even with us, that our photos are historical photos um, and they aren't all uh, historical. Um, also, I think um, I want people to know that archivists really want their collections to be accessible. So, um, you know, more digitizing and <laughs> more making um, the materials we have available to people and not just for formal research, but also for that uh, informal exploration and, you know, like libraries, just helping people feed that curiosity and discover more about where they live and the people that they live with. Um, so, you know, and I think, I think this will happen uh, with time that people will just feel more welcome to come in and 
experience archives and also share their lives and experiences because you know there aren't just um people that are well known in communities mm -hmm. uh whose stories are here but there are you know stories here about community members from all over the state um and their unique experiences of this place um so that's what I would like people to know that, you know, that archives are for everyone in mm -hmm. our community. Yeah, I know a lot of, um, even our students here at the university assume that archives are, you know, just open to faculty or people outside mm -hmm. of the university assume <laughs> that archives are just open to, to university people with an affiliation to the university. So we've, we've really tried to get the word out that the archives are, are for everyone. And I, yeah, I think it's, I think it's really important to, to make sure that we are welcoming and connecting with, with people, not just, you know, the people who typically use archives or the people who typically, you know, you think of being documented in right. the archives. Um, you know, I, I also think um, there was one other, and I think this is a huge thing, is um, seeing archives and archivists as resources. So, you know, in my outreach work, I always want people to know this isn't just about getting your stuff. Like, we don't want to get your stuff, you know, and house it here. If we can help you um, preserve and describe and um, share your materials that you want to keep in your um, community. Or if you want to know about how to take care of home movies or the photographs in your own collection, we are happy to provide um, information around that and, and um, uh, suggestions around that so that you're preserving things that are of value to your family and to you personally. Um, you know, one of the things we want to start doing when the museum does uh, resume first Fridays, um, the, you know, the whole building, the whole museum was involved in those first Friday celebrations, but the mm -hmm. archives, library and archives were not. And we have been thinking what a great way to welcome people in, to have them actually be able to do an activity um, and experience something that matters to them, like talking about preserving photographs and taking care of documents um, that they have in their homes. Um, so when we're able to do that, that's um, something else we'll do. Uh, and we can do that virtually too, just be a resource to people. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that goes back to that question of what people don't think of archives in that way either, that it's a, it's a resource. Last question. Um, yeah. How do you think <laughs> being an archivist in Alaska is different from being an archivist elsewhere? Hmm. So we're a, a relatively young state, of course, but we have a rich past and a rich present and a potential filled future. And um, um, our communities are wildly diverse. There are lots of compelling stories um, to tell. 
and I think um, because we are diverse and because we are, you know, we're a close-knit community in many ways, people are connected in some unique ways and they're interested in sharing their lives and experiences here because it's a unique place to live. It's a special place to live. Um, and there are all kinds of reasons people are here um, in Alaska that I think differ from other parts of the country. Um, so there's those stories to tell. And, you know, this is a, this is a very special place. We have um, living, thriving indigenous cultures here. Um, and that's not true in every place. Um, so I think uh, being an archivist here is kind of like being a kid in a candy shop. You know, if you care about stories that are of value to community, well, there's a lot of stories um, to tell here and people are accessible um, here. Um, and so um, I, you know, I feel fortunate to be here and helping with that work. I think the community of archivists in Alaska is supportive and we share and we wanna collaborate. Um, you know, we wanna find ways to serve the community. We wanna stay up to date on best practices. Um, you know, we keep learning about technology that helps us make collections, um, help preserve collections and make them accessible. Um, so I do think, you know, and I felt the same way in when I was part of the philanthropy and development profession, we are close knit with our colleagues. Um, we don't compete with each other, we collaborate and share with each other. Um, so I think uh, that's another really cool quality of uh, practicing here in Alaska. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're such a small community. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been really great getting to know you and, and all of the other archivists here in Alaska. Yeah. So is there anything else you'd like to share uh, before we wrap up? I know you mentioned that Archives Month event that you're doing. Um, do you guys yeah. have a date for that yet um, that yes. you can share so people can attend? Yeah, we sure do. That is going to be on October 7th, which I think is a Tuesday. Now I'm not looking at the calendar now, but that's on October 7th and it's noon to 1.30. Um, we have um, two other programs during the month of October um, that are connected with the Black Lives in Alaska exhibition and you know programs. A lot of the work that I do is through public programs. Uh, and uh, providing that forum for communities to help tell their stories. And so I would encourage everyone to keep visiting the museum's website and look at the calendar and see what uh, programs are happening that are connected with exhibitions and that help highlight the work of the archives here. So there's lots going on still. I mean, we, we are open, the museum is open to the public, even though the archives isn't yet, um, but there's a lot to 
be experienced virtually. And so I'd encourage everyone to just keep visiting the website. Great. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Julie, for- Thank you. Um, this was fun. <laughs> it, it, we always have a lot of fun with these. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just thank you for being a part of our podcast. And we, we look forward to keeping up with everything the museum is doing. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for joining us for this episode. A link to the museum's event, Archiving Black Lives, Documenting American Experiences, can be found in the notes for this show. Follow us on social media or subscribe to the podcast to keep up with the rest of our Archives Month episodes.